Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Jesse Anderson and Jan Bigass of Quackalope, a weekly podcast and YouTube channel of the same name, focused on board games, mechanics, context, theme, and game design. Whether it be reviews, previews, unboxings, gameplay, or just fun storytelling, Quackalope is there for you. Jan, Jesse, welcome to The Binge. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, hey. Doing well. Thank you for having us. You missed, you did miss uh, that we're the most aviary focused, you know, board game content channel in the market. I, I'll forgive you for it. I, also, I flavor that. text, unfortunately, <laughs> lots of flavor text everywhere. So I know. I, I have that in the actual show notes, but I, I just, I, I went through that kind of decision-making process of, do I run the risk of getting tongue-tied? That's fair. <laughs> in That's in fair. This, this whole kind of setup, or do we just kind of get into the whole quackalope when we get in there and I'll just start her off a little raw. So we, we're we, very, we're very bird forward. We're kind of board game adjacent, mostly bird forward though. If you ever come to Quackalope HQ, you will be hard pressed to not find a bird in every single inch of our apartment. Jesse oh, has made true. it his mission to put a bird here, a bird there, a bird there, a bird there, a bird everywhere. <laughs> so let's hit the elephant in the room because a lot of people are probably wondering what the heck is a quackalope? Maybe let's just start oh. there before we go anywhere. What is a quackalope? Yeah, I'd say species of duck that lives over in the eastern part of the United States, uh, mostly in the Appalachian Mountain region. Uh, they produce small protrusions or horns that allow them to uh, mate and sort of protect their, their forest dwelling nests. Uh, those horns then shed uh, mid you know, mid-fall, they migrate down south uh, and oftentimes look very similar to kind of wood ducks or, or similar of a like. Um, it's one of the reasons why there's a rumor that the white-tailed deer population has been so uh, prolific in this area um, is the, you know, the shedding horns from the quackalope sort of uh, weigh the numbers differently. So that's the definition, I guess, if we look it up in a uh, in Wikipedia, perhaps. But how did you guys kind of come up with this whole identity of quackalope? Where did it come from? Uh, so... Genuine. It was, it was like most um, names that are weird and interesting and come from absolutely nowhere sort of spur, right? Sitting around a table with a bunch of friends trying to figure out what a title for a board game show should be. Uh, and there was a lot of generic names. There was a lot of, you know, all offline or, you know, uh, you know, my table plays game, you know, just weird yeah. little like direct as possible um, type of titles. And then we started going down rabbit holes and, and filtering through and, and, we got to a point where one of my friend's uh, wives sort of spoke up and she was like, what about a quackalope? Uh, and it sort of stuck. Um, and a week later, it was still sort of there. And I searched online and there was nothing else that existed that had the title or had the terminology quackalope. And uh, it is harder to associate it with board games. Um, but once you do, or once you get to kind of start building and developing that brand, it is yeah. fun and lively and we get to define what it is. Um, and so I had a, I had a friend, um, who works for, uh, who works for Beam Santori, does their graphic design for, you know, one of the largest, uh, liquor distillers in the country. He designed our logo and, uh, and from there it sort of existed. And, uh, so now you guys have kind of split the personality. So you're like the duck, right? In, in the, in the relationship, uh, Jan's the goose, I guess. Yep. Right. Honk. Quackalope adjacent. Yeah. We figured, <laughs> we figured geese were fairly adjacent. So where, where'd you guys meet? Like where, uh, how far back does this go? Have you guys been like lifelong friends or. 
No, so here's here's the interesting thing. Um, back in back a few years ago, I was going through this transitional period in my life where I kind of wanted to delve back into creative hobbies because I had distanced myself very much so when I moved over to the states. And in that journey, I started creating content for video games, you know, writing articles and doing these type of things. But that that website or that place that I was working at for free, of course, freelancing and all that, um, also was trying to establish a board game panel or a board game section. And I love the board games. I've I've loved them since I like started college. And so I started trying to think and maneuver away how how exactly do we grow this platform? So one day I was in Labyrinth Game, uh, Games and Puzzles here, at, well, back over in D.C. Yeah. Uh, and there was this really weird dude with a camera walking around everywhere, really flustered, just like getting on in everyone's face. And just, I just asked being... permission if I could. Oh, film I wasn't. Wait, wait, wait. Did you feel identified by the annoying oh, okay. part? Mm -hmm. I wasn't really yeah. actually talking either way. So there's this person going around. And I remember asking, like, who the heck? Like, who is that? Like, are you guys making a movie about Labyrinth? And then I got a little bit of context. Oh, that's just some dude content creator that's doing stuff. His name is Jesse or something. Another Jesse, not you, Jesse, by the way. No, mm. but seriously, Jesse. And I was like, oh, they're doing board game content. Maybe I could partner with them in somehow and we can leverage both platforms together. And when I discovered his content, I was like, whoa, what is this? This is crazy. Because this was during Jesse's more exploratory portion during Quackle where he was doing like heavy b-roll very upfront like a lot of beautiful shots which are still prevalent throughout yeah. our, our all our content but <laughs> specifically at the beginning there were even more there right and so I was blown away by 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 that and so I reached out I was like hey um I'm part of a large um video game platform and we're interested <laughs> in collaborating <laughs> with you Funny thing is, Jesse's a businessman, so he immediately saw through that, but he was curious as to what I had to say. He so had agreed. no comments anywhere on any of his articles. They were very well written, though. Yeah. Not my, like the website as a whole did not have, by the way, not just mine. Anyways, anyways. So we ended up, we ended up meeting at a coffee shop very romantically in Georgetown. Like I chose a public in space. I didn't know who it was I was meeting with. <laughs> I didn't know either, man. Safety in public, right? You never who knows. Yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> And we had a conversation and the conversation basically ended up in Jesse being very uh, resistant to collaborate because he didn't really know what I could offer him from, you know, from that side. But we kind of stayed in content that one day Jesse needed to play some games that he didn't know and hadn't hadn't brought to the table before. And he thought of me. And I was like, hey, that guy. Sure. Let me let me call him and ask him if he wants to do this. And since the first video we ever did, we just kind of clicked in a way that I've never been able to really understand. And that's how it all started. So long story short, <laughs> Jan is and was a fan of mine. Uh, and now he's and now he lives with me. So I think that's that should give all other fans hope that they, too, can become Quackalope. <laughs> there you go. Now, that's adjacent. This is like two years ago, was this like this? Is that this was about a year and a half ago for Jan, maybe all getting right. close to two years now for for Quackalope as a platform. We're probably. Two about, and a half years? about two about two and three months in at this yeah. point um and i was doing it for probably six to eight months before jan started becoming involved um the big the big thing for me and i, I guess the moral or the overarching narrative of the story is i really believe in doing your best to give someone whatever opportunity that you can if they ask uh so if a fan wants to collaborate or a content creator wants to visit or or film or do something like uh, why not like what's you know 
And so yeah. Jan reached out and we met and he seemed willing. And so I think one of the things that has made our platform unique is that everyone that I've had on the channel for the most part uh, has been just a friend of mine in my gaming group or in my gaming circle that I have desperately convinced to get in front of the camera and then somehow made it not as awkward as being in front of the camera is for most people. Um, so, so yeah. what, and now what your background, so what were your backgrounds coming into this? So maybe Jan start with, with you and then we'll get into Jesse's side. So Jan, what, what were you, what were you doing before this? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've had, I've been a little bit of everywhere during my professional yeah. uh, history or just my career overall. I studied architecture uh, back in Puerto Rico, graduated from an architecture school. And um, if, if I wanted to, I could potentially start studying for an architecture degree, all that stuff. But I didn't decide to pursue the career in its entirety, right? I, it didn't feel like the right profession for me. So I started pivoting a little bit. Um, during that pivot, I did a little bit of a business development, but it was very cursory. Uh, and then I landed into what I'm doing now, which is art direction. So I'm an art oh. director uh, in DC. Uh, we deal with all types of projects and collateral. So I know all about printing and I know all about dealing with clients and, 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 and managing roles and understanding timelines and all that type of stuff. It's not things that I'm able to implement yet in the board game sphere, but it is definitely part of my, of my tool set in a way. And certainly that's very complimentary, I guess, to then, I mean, your background, right, Jesse? So can you talk a little bit about what- I, I have been from? unemployed since college, uh, which is going on about eight years now of just, oh, sorry, uh, I'll rephrase that. I have been self-employed <laughs> since college, uh, which is going on eight years now. So I, I started and yeah. left college doing wedding photography, uh, you know, and videography full-time, uh, moved more into the uh, event and commercial space, which ended up with me you kind of moving to Washington, D.C. And, and doing some stuff with nonprofits in that area. Hmm. Um, and then after a series of, uh, you know, unfortunate events uh, in, in my life that resulted in a, a breakup and a move back home and, you know, me uh, psychologically rebuilding myself, I uh, uh, decided that if I wanted to pursue a future uh, and I had the time to do so, I would pursue um, the version of a career and the version of a life that I think would be the best, right? If I can give myself a five-year window. Um, and that answer was, was board games. I was into them. I'd found a community and a home and, and, and a way to relate with people. Um, I, I absolutely loved playing them, but more so than that, it was probably the first hobby that I ever got into um, that went beyond kind of work. And so my theory was, let's turn it into work, um, which probably isn't the healthiest approach, but it works. <laughs> it becomes a jobby, I guess they call it, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was, I mean, I, I then tried to apply my career in technology and equipment that I had and, and some degree of skill, although I've improved substantially over the last two years, just doing videos multiple times a week. Um, you know, I'm so much better than I was when I first started, but, uh, but yeah, I played that into the, into the board game space. And, and I thought there was a marketplace that could use higher quality video production. Well, certainly. And we got, uh, Mike Bruner in the, um, lobby here is just commenting on the the video and sound quality from your videos i would echo that as well i mean that's you Thank know you. what first uh got me to to know about you guys and say gosh I should, we gotta get these guys on on the podcast your videos are very very well done and it, it's interesting when you look at content creators especially in, in this industry i always love to go back to like the first video mm -hmm. right and besides the fact that you obviously had shorter hair back then. <laughs> I did. I have not video. cut my hair. Uh, I've trimmed it, but I have not actually cut my hair for the two years that uh, 
that has existed on the channel. So sometimes, sometime I'm going to take a screenshot of every frame, yeah. uh, every video, and just time lapse my hair getting longer and longer and longer, and then you the should. beard starting to develop. It'll be yeah, it'll be a good journey. It's shockingly short in that first video. It is. It's completely buzzed. It is what completely, about, and I look very respectable. Not Jan short, but it's still short. Yeah. Well, what do you think of for me, Jesse? Do you think you'll you'll see a lot of change throughout the years too? For me yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least a little bit. <laughs> so I, I would echo the sentiment, but the one thing that, that you notice when, when you look at, at kind of that journey of content creation, many content creators, um, you see a gradual kind of progression, right? You see kind of them sometimes camera phone uh, in video one, mm -hmm. right? All the way through to, you know, kind of more of a polished, um, uh, you know, format, uh, you know, at this, when they finally get to kind of scale with, with their audience. And what I found very interesting about you guys, which I think is a, is a testament to the talent, right. Is even that first video is, is very high quality, right. It, it, it's like the, the production value of that right from day one, um, I think was probably a signal to most people who are following you that, that this is going to be something special, right? Like these, these guys are creating, visually appealing, uh, content. Um, the other thing I, I would say is that, um, and I was, I was curious if you've taken any kind of, um, like, did you take any drama or is there any kind of narration, uh, when you were in college <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard this before. I'm not, per I'm sure I'm not the first person saying it, but your, your narrative approach, um, is very good, right? Like it, it's, it, it is, it is very, very well produced. So I don't know if it's based on, um, uh, you know, doing uh, multiple takes mm -hmm. or having a very good script in front of you, or it's just your personal style. But I, so, I think most people would probably echo that. So other, other than some 10 minute or less videos that are directly and clearly scripted because the audio is different and you can tell there's no me in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, anytime you've seen myself solo or Jan or any of our guests in front of the camera, there's not ever been a single script. Um, yeah. When it comes to multiple takes, uh, we usually don't have to do multiple takes on anything other than rules and rules corrections. Um, we'll try to refine those or double check the rule book if we stumble along something or try to say something clearer. Uh, but Gameplays and conversational videos and right for you, wrong for you videos, all of those are just conversations. And yeah. uh, you talk about the narrative approach. So, I mean, I, I grew up, you know, in Kentucky. I grew up in the South. I grew up with a an art and appreciation for storytelling. Uh, and throughout my teenage years, um, I, I've always had a, a bit of a knack for uh, public speaking um, and sort of being able to uh, be long-winded and, and get somewhere eventually. Um, <laughs> but I also, when I was younger, uh, sort of honed my teeth um, in sort of an evangelical uh, Christian environment. And so okay. um, for a lot of my of my teenage years, my trajectory was sort of becoming a, an evangelist or a preacher or kind of a traveling. Uh, uh, and so that skill set, while not the career that I'm currently pursuing, um, that skill set has certainly come to uh, come to aid me. I've never done drama or anything along those lines. I think I would have enjoyed it as, yeah. a, as a kid, but I was too, I switched high schools a lot. I switched middle schools a lot. And I, I barely connected with anyone at either of them. So I, I, I could have used a drama club, but I, I never, I never ended up in one. And I, again, I just echo that uh, certainly that experience has, uh, has aided you well uh, in this new format. Right. And I think that, 
you know, the evangelical now is, is board games, right? <laughs> You're spreading the board game world. Listen, it's, it's not, I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to agree with this, but there have been members of our community yeah. that have, you know, talked about the concept of whether or not, you know, Quackalope and, and Quack in general could be cult-like. Uh, and I'm not sure it is, but I think the first start to creating something along those lines is, is yeah. everyone going, is this a cult? Well, if it is, we're okay with it. Yeah. And then, and then, and then pairing that. Jan's, Jan's sitting here going, are you really talking about that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If it, if it cranks the subs up, why not? Listen, <laughs> why not? If I, if I get someone to smile or laugh at least for a second, like yeah. I feel like whatever story I've just told is, uh, you know, is worthwhile. And also we're looking at plots of land in Canada to have like a whole community move to. So if you're oh, interested, you let us know. Well, you know, we Absolutely. Have, we have a fan who's looking at private islands. So there you know, you we'll get there one day. Big patch of grass somewhere. We'll build a bunch of little houses. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> ducks, <laughs> ducks in the pond right next to it. So, um, so you know, from, and I don't want to kind of just focus entirely on the YouTube channel because you guys have got this other massive channel, which is your, your podcast. So that you've partnered up with Alex from Board Game Co. So how did that mm -hmm. kind of come, come about? It's going to be uh, all Jen. Yeah, so so this is interesting. So when we when we unfortunately had to separate from states, Jesse had to move back in Kentucky last year due to I mean the everything. world the world sort of quit and something happened last year. I don't, know it was, yeah. I don't what, really remember. Thing, yeah, so it's like it's a uh, little for bit some foggy. Reason, I lost every event contract that I had locked in for an entire year. I don't I don't know why. It, it must be me, but either we're way, all, I moved back. Amnesia, I moved yeah. back in with my dad and said, mm -hmm. hello, I'm 27. Can I live with you? <laughs> and so I was kind of left in DC uh, with not much, like, like this thing that I was doing constantly with Jesse, uh, just kind of evaporated into everything. And I've always wanted to be like Jesse's partner in crime. Like I've always wanted to assist Jesse because as, you, as you've said, Jesse will always be the talent in, in a lot of ways, but I want to be able to always support and help him and move his, like his dream and the dream that we are now building together forward, yeah. right? So when that transition happened, I was trying to look for ways that I could support Jesse from afar and help Quackalope do something because I didn't, I didn't want to be associated with Quackalope if I wasn't doing something for Quackalope. It just didn't feel fair, right? I, I, I always have this, this need of needing to earn something, right? And yeah. so we started brainstorming. I was and trying fine to think. just letting him have the title, but he wasn't <laughs> Jesse's always been like that, but I, I cannot <laughs> coexist knowing that I'm not pulling my weight in something, right? So we started talking and we started kind of like, coming up with ideas. And then during this time frame, remember, you you already said it, Quackalope is synonymous with quality and B-roll yeah. and beautiful takes and cinematography. And obviously having webcam chats over, over on the YouTube channel was not something that Jesse was currently open to. So we started looking, so, okay, we, we can't, we, we won't be able to do content together often. What can we do? Oh, how about we, I pick you up once a month. I did that or, multiple times for uh, stretches of eight hours to and fro so that we can record videos along a weekend. It was only would... 40 hours of driving on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So you physically actually drove back and forth. So this was yeah. remotely. Uh, multiple times. Yeah. The wow. first probably three months. I, I think I did it. I think I did it three or four times where I drove from Kentucky to DC to pick up Jan, to drive back to Kentucky, to film over the weekend, and then vice versa to drop them off. I remember having a lot of apprehension around this idea because my first, my first critique towards Jesse was like, sure, that'd be awesome that I could like record with you and be on the channel and be productive. 
but that sounds like a lot. Like that doesn't sound sustainable. Are we sure we can actually do this well? And Jesse is very stubborn. It's, it's one of his traits. And he said, of course we can. Yeah, no problem. No issue. And eventually we, we reached to another point of the conversation where it was like, okay, we have enough content here, but I still don't feel like I'm doing enough, Jesse. I want to keep, I want to keep being able to help you all that, like, how, what can I do to be constantly collaborating? And then Jesse started talking about, well, well, you know, like part of any successful channel or, or enterprise is that you, you know, touch on multiple platforms simultaneously. Yeah. That is a way that you grow something. And one of the things that we haven't been able to do just because of the time and, and the difficulty of making that happen is a podcast. I've never done a podcast before. I've never had long format conversations around this. I'm, I, I tend to actually be kind of quiet depending on the circumstances. I, I'm, I'm a little bit shyer than what Jesse it. is. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> it depends on how you catch me. But yeah. point is that I've never had, I've never had that type of formal training that Jesse had. I was in a band before and I used oh, to have like- I didn't have formal training. I just was in the church. Yeah, well, depending on what direction you were taking the church, either way. So- we decided to start the podcast. And during that process, we started brainstorming like, oh, what formats could we do? What things can happen? And that's how we landed on two major things. We had multiple ideas, but the yeah. two major things was a short format uh, review style where instead of playing a game multiple times, we play it once because it is, it is the reality of our industry. It is the reality of how Jenny, we you got to get games. the line in. You got to get the line in. First impression matters. And so we made a podcast, podcast about, about ours. Yeah. I'm your yes. host, Jam, because and with me is the enigmatic. And the secondary <laughs> format that we thought would be really fun uh, was a, a variety show, right? Where, and I always get that word wrong. I can never pronounce it correctly. Variety. Variety Variety, show. you're saying? I like it. That one. That okay. one. Got I it. like it more the way you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're way better. I just <laughs> got a Espanol. crazy Canadian accent. Don't worry about me. So, so we decided to do that, but we felt that it needed something else. We always like the idea of having multiple hosts here, and we were yeah. trying to think of the perfect person to do that. And now from this part of the conversation, now that we have context as to how the podcast started, I'm going to give it back to Jesse so we know how Alex got roped into oh. all of this. Oh, and if anyone's, if anyone's listening also, the, the podcast is just under the Quackaloo podcast, both the Weekly Quack and Played It Once uh, function underneath that, that main arching title. Um so we'll but actually yeah. put that in the show notes. So when we do the show notes on the podcast, check out the show notes. We'll put links there so people can easily find that. Cool. I uh, appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so so Board Game Co. Um, is a rising star in the board game industry. I think right yeah. now he is the uh, he is the most uh, he is the most engaged Kickstarter content creator at the moment. Uh, I believe he's if you look at his view count. Uh, which most people pay attention to like subscriber numbers or anything along those lines. That's not really where you want to pay attention, pay attention to view count and numbers. Mm -hmm. I believe he is, uh, he has passed nearly everyone that deals with Kickstarter content in our industry. Yeah. Uh, and he is, and he is his next target when it comes to view count is like, shut up and sit down when it comes to the amount of content that's, that's consumed. He's wow. killing it. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing incredible. And yeah. so we got lucky that we discovered him before he was giant uh, yep. <laughs> through, through him discovering us. Uh, he did a video um, promoting and talking about content creators that he he admired in the space. Uh, and we actually weren't on the first version of his video, but he ended up uh, pausing and delaying and then refilming another one. And between that time, the world had shut down and I'd put out uh, probably my first direct to camera video that was as honest and um, heartfelt as possible, trying to let people know why the studio is moving and why things were changing and what our approach is going to be. And that, that seemed to, 
strike a chord with Alex. And so he included us in his top 10 list. Um, he was about at probably 5,000 subscribers at the time, maybe a little bit lower. And I think we'd already, or just passed 10. Um, and so uh, I was very flattered, uh, sort of reached out to him. I enjoyed his content. We began talking. Um, and since then, it's just blossomed into, uh, into a really, really good friendship. Um, I'd say that out of everything, like let's say Quackalope fails and, you know, we no longer uh, are involved in the industry or, or do anything in this space, or we go on separate ways or do separate careers, which is in no way the plan, but life has a weird way of twisting things. The relationship uh, and, and time that I've been able to build and spend with both Jan and Alex, uh, hands down would make, you know, uh, 50, 60 hours a week for two, two and a half years now, um, worth it across the board. Um, I am incredibly grateful uh, that I have uh, both of those individuals. And so, uh, and so, yeah, Alex was the perfect kind of third addition to the podcast, third the voice analytical that we needed. One. He's, he's analytical, he's purposeful. Yeah. He talks about uh, numbers and statistics and breaks down Kickstarters based off of what's going to be a good value for you. And if it can, uh, if, if, if the Kickstarter will have good resale market later on down the road. Yeah. And then he's just now started uh, to bring his, his family and his kind of close community uh, onto the show a little bit more, um, which I've had the honor of being able to spend time uh, with Rena and Shira and Ricky, his daughter, um, and play games with him. And it's just, he has such a good group of people around him. And oh yeah, so, yeah. Amazing. And then Jan, you also have, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, Quackalope? Ah, see, sí, Quackalope. <laughs> so Quackalope is our foray into Spanish content, Spanish yeah, only content cool. in a way, uh, because we are planning on doing some bilingual series and things like that, Spanglish coverage as well. But basically, uh, when I grew up in Puerto Rico, I really didn't have a lot of a, a community at all that was into board games or, the, or, or that was into geek culture to start with. Uh, and that was, and that's not necessarily all of Puerto Rico. That was specifically my hometown, but either way, my context was barren of anything that brought me that type of joy. And so my intention or our intention with creating Quacalope is to try and show that kid, that me, Hey, there's something else that you could be doing with your time. There's something else that you could do to bond with friends that you can have fun with that doesn't involve the TV or doesn't involve a computer screen. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're accepted. Like you, there are, there are more people out there like you. So don't feel alone anymore and just start having more fun. Um, and it's also, it's going to be a bridge between, um, most publishers that only tend to focus on on English speak and you know North American releases or which European makes releases. sense for the marketplace. Mm -hmm. yeah. Trying to create bridges. Basically, Quacalope is a bridge, a un puente, to try and merge two we, very different demographics into a single whole. Bring well, I mean, everybody a, to the table. A good example is we have a prototype of Monster Hunter World. You know, downstairs, like that is a prototype that is expensive to produce and only gets shipped out to a few content creators and. Uh, the cool thing is even though Quackalope is growing and, and not that big yet, and we're still figuring out what the balance point is between, uh, I think I currently am trying, failing, but trying to produce 14 to 16 videos a week uh, across the different media platforms that we have. And Jan's doing his best to edit, you know, to be in a multiple and then edit multiple and then also run the podcast. And he also is in charge of, uh, you know, a variety of other collaborators that we have. And so even though we're still figuring out part of the cool concept or theory is the fact that uh, we'll be able to get Monster Hunter down on the table and do English content for it. That's what it was sent to us for main channel Quackalope. We're excited, but Quackalope gets an opportunity to just 
sit down and also talk about it in Spanish in a different language in something that other people can relate to, or if they're bilingual can choose which version they want to engage with. Um, and I wouldn't expect a publisher to mail that copy off to a 300 subscriber Spanish speaking channel. Um, it just doesn't logistically make sense, but it does make all the sense in the world for us to start building that community so that five years or 10 years down the road, that publisher has a new marketplace they can kind of dip into a little bit. And Certainly also it seems more efficient too, right? Yeah. 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 The, I can see the efficiency of that as well, right? If you want to get multiple languages on the same game, you can send one copy to one group and get it done. Well, um, we're also, yeah. there's, there's another thing that I'm, I'm working on that, you know, and this is all, you know, it's one of those things where it's like give away all your best ideas as much as possible so that other people can execute on them and you're not responsible for them anymore. So like, yeah. I'll let people know what I'm, one of the things I'd love to do. And if they want to take charge of it and just add me to the list, please Dear God, do it. Uh, I would love to have a network of close content creators like Alex and I do currently, um, or Table Knots down in Kentucky. One of my friends that started as a fan on Quackalope, joined us for the show, and now has launched his own board game channel that's doing really well. Um, I would love to be at a point where we get a game in from a publisher, and a lot of those prototypes end up sitting with us, or you know, we have a month or two months to cover them. I'd love to get a game in cover it, do good quality content, and then have a rotation of other content creators that the publisher doesn't even need to ask about. It's just it's just automatically part of the conversation mm. that our network, our little pocket of, of friends that we have, uh, no matter what size their, you know, no matter what size their channel is, once we're done with a prototype, they get access to it. Now, the hard part is figuring out who goes, you know, I believe in relationships above everything. And so, you know, I have a lot of people that I kind of add to that list, but I need to get like a public email chain going or a document where they can all log in and say what they want. And then I have to reconcile my own desire to never go to the post office. And there's a lot of steps there that, <laughs> that get in the way, but, but I would love to have that. I'd love to have just this general community wide sense of, yeah. uh, it makes sense for a publisher to send me something fancy, but it doesn't make sense for that thing to, to, just sit with me. And if I can continue sending that around, uh, Tiny Epic Dungeon was a good example. I filmed that, covered it with Max, handed it off to him, and his videos are the biggest videos he's ever had on his channel. Probably gained him four or 500 subscribers from that alone. You know, so why Maybe, not? And in that case, that? would you provide the B roll then to those people as well? I don't, I mean, it depends on what they're looking for. I'm happy to share any content that we produce. Um, mm. it's, it takes time to cut B roll and processes in a way that could hand it out to people. Sure. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'd be open to anything and everything. I, I just uh, slowly and surely over the course of the next few years, uh, I'd like to continue investing in people and building community and, and figuring out ways to collaborate with people as opposed to um, our industry has a habit of uh, sort of absorbing people into banners. Um, and I understand the framework. I understand the mindset behind that. But logically, I, I think it's much more valuable for me to have a relationship with Board Game Co. and have Board Game Co. to have nothing to do with Quackalope. Like, he's mm. not Quackalope. I don't control what he says. I'll show up on his channel every now and then, but at the end of the yeah. day, that's his platform. And his audience is there for his content. It wouldn't make sense for us to merge our channels together. All we'd have would, you know, would be 20,000 people watching both of us under the same thing. It, yeah. it just... Yeah, you know. strategic alliances makes more sense than merging. Yeah. It, it's how we grow. It's shocking that our industry doesn't have any content creators that are over the million mark. I mean, think about, I could go on YouTube right now 
and look up uh, Ants Canada would be a channel of a guy that does voiceover for his ant farm collection. Uh, you could look up uh, Wrangle Star, which is a homesteader out in the Midwest that talks about uh, tools that you can buy on Amazon. You could look up woodworkers or bird watchers um, or, you know, D&D and RPG players if you want to get a little bit closer to home. Uh, our industry has not done a great job at keeping up with media and keeping up with with sort of the the cultural trends there's a lot of marketplaces uh that are that are bigger than us and uh it's sort of interesting as to why and i think part of my theory is strategic collaboration is how some of these other channels have gotten to where they are yeah so on that note where do you see um quackalope going is, is the intent to be a, a media company is it to be a gaming company? Well, you guys if Jan and I live together, the... I believe it's eight years in Maryland before it's common law. And so, you know, <laughs> I've got, I've got big plans. Ma- marriages. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think for, so basically one of the first short-term goals is going to be to have us both go full-time into this, right? Yeah. Um, this, this has become both of our dreams and both of our passions. Um, and we, and we, and right now we don't have the, the finances or just the, 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 the groundwork to make that happen yet. We're getting closer. And the goal wasn't day. ever at two years. The goal from the very beginning was it'll take five years to get to some place that's really cool. And yeah. so where we are now, uh, I don't want to understate how grateful and, and insane mm-hmm. it is where our community is and how much they've supported us and what we've been able to do and start doing in two over years. the course of the last yeah. year in two years. It's mind crazy, but five years is the goal. And so, yep. you know, we're not in a rush. We're willing to be patient and continue working. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think, I think what we're trying to do is that we're trying to expand closer and closer to things that deal with community, right? Um, yeah. the, the more that we've grown our channel and the more that we've we've understood how people interact with the type of content that we do, um, all we want to do is just be closer to those fans, right? Um, so I'm not sure if that means that we are going to be a, a media company or if we're going to be this or we're going to be that, but I can assure you that whatever it is at the end of the day will always be go back to that the people are the most important. Well, and the the funny thing is, both of you at the very beginning of the show made fun of my storytelling and podcasting. But... I actually complimented your uh, storytelling. Well, that's oh, okay. okay, okay. No, I mean, well, I, I'm inclined to believe that anyone that mentions it is picking on me about it. That's you know, Jan's really boiled that. You know, sort of traumatized me in that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the other exciting thing, and the other the other thing that, in part, uh, I don't know how publicly announced this is yet, and I probably won't put official names on it. But like, there are currently two publishers. Uh, that Jan and I are working with, collaborating with. So we are we are signed on as um, lead or at least assistant developers on a mm. title that is heavily story driven at the moment. Wow. Um, we are insanely excited about it, and we cannot wait to uh, to share it with people. Um, they already have seen it; they just don't know we're tied to it yet. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> and so that's something we're really excited about, um, about going into more of the development phase, working on, on the mechanic systems of the game and also the, the lore and the storytelling. And then, uh, Ivy studios, veiled fate, their million dollar goal for, uh, uh, for veiled fate was a lore compendium, uh, written by Quackalope. And so we are currently in the process of, of working through and developing, backstory and lore and, and theme and uh, and actually creating not only a really interesting, I think, world that's built around that game, 
uh, but then also a mechanics compendium that allows you to integrate flavor text and story into your game experience if it's something you want with uh, with story that ties to every event and scenario that happens with introductory prologues that allow you to set the stage for the game and then resulting or ending narratives for each one of the characters who might, uh, you know, who might end up victorious. Um, and so we're, we're doing stuff like it's not all media. We're, yeah. we're starting to venture out into being official flavor textures. And I cannot wait to put that on my business card. <laughs> and technically, we also kind of have some ideas for games from us. But, oh, but those, those are never, far. Those will never show up. Yeah. <laughs> those are never, far away, never so. say never. Right. So how best do people follow you? So people that don't already follow you. And if I mean, you turn a to a strong them. southern wind and just from the <laughs> deep bellows of your soul, release one shrill crack into the into the sky. Uh, you know, that quack will carry until it reaches us and we'll reach out to you. Fantastic. Or just Google quackalope. But for <laughs> those also that don't yeah, live in a fantasy works. world, that's that's we're on the podcast, click on our show notes and uh, we're, there as we're, well. we're, we're kind of the only <laughs> thing that exists around uh, around quackalope. And so if you search quackalope anywhere, you'll be able to find sort of a media source it. or a way to connect with us. Yeah. Yep, no, which is awesome. a combination between a quack and a jackalope or, any, or antelope. Not also. a jackalope. How dare you? Oh, I'm sorry. Antelope to antelope. Don't bring up Whack that mythical and antelope creature. together. <laughs> Jan, Jesse, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. I look forward to seeing more content come from you guys. Thank you so very much for having us. You take hey, care. This is great. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.